Okay, run. Okay, you ready? Three. Eggs, chocolate, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. I've hit that lull in the afternoon, you know, when you start to feel a little bit, not boozy. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't have no idea. Woozy. Woozy. Yeah. Woozy. I feel tired, Michelle. I feel tired. I'm not doing anything. It's this bloody lockdown, I tell you. Sorry to go on about it. Oh, honestly, I prefer not to because it's so boring. Although saying that, I did watch Queen's in lockdown. And I suggested that. It was great, wasn't it? You got to see Veronica Green's lovely husband who gave her COVID, which meant she couldn't then go back on the show. Poor thing. I know, but you also saw her so depressed, couldn't get out of bed, even though the husband brought her a brew. And uh, Every morning he brought her a brew. I know, he was quite sweet. The big shocker, though. Ginny Lemon in a thruple. (laughs) (laughs) Out of all the queens, Ginny. Three yellow-haired versions of Ginny basically all look the same. And yeah. she, as, as she pointed out, they have sex in the garden, they have sex in the house, they have sex <laughs> upside down all the way around. It was quite and, confronting for, my, uh, for me. But also I just thought, with Ginny, fancy oh, a slice? No, thank you. I don't, I, I don't want a slice of that. I was looking forward to the snatch game for Ginny because I felt if she didn't do an early version of Elton John, then she would have been missing a massive trick. <laughs> Yeah, Rockin' she... and boppin' to the crocodile rock, yeah! <laughs> that version. Oh, I can imagine her doing that. But you know what? She fucked up with her really terrible Australian weather girl. It was fucking I stupid. I mean, a lot of people love to go into an Australian accent for fun, and it's great fun. I love it too. Oh, don't yeah, you love it? Do you like it? I, I like, like doing her. an Australian like accent. Australian. But I feel like we're allowed because we are fucking Australian, so <laughs> bring it on. That's my oh, Scottish. Oh, that's your Lewis. No, Lou, Lawrence. Lawrence Cheney. Lawrence Cheney. Lawrence Cheney. Anyway, Bring it so. on. Go left, go right, go straight ahead. <laughs> you do that well. You could have been on train spotting. <laughs> anyway, so, my dear. This is our um, Valentine's episode, Michelle, even though it's not Valentine's Day anymore. Yeah, we know. All right. Yeah, but before that, we got any apologies. Oh, apologies. Well, I've yes, got one. I've got just a little one. Just Go on. Just to my my Valentine, because oh, I know he he got a bit upset when I told him. Has he listened? I mean, no, he bloody hasn't listened, and he, <laughs> he never do, will. He'd be leaving you if he had. I know it's true, but I said to him, "Oh, I, you know, mentioned it on the podcast. You don't, you didn't know who Steven Spielberg was." And he fucking flipped. He's like, oh. "I did. <laughs> I just didn't know his movies." And I thought, oh, "Well, that's kind of the same thing, mate." It is. It is the same thing. But I have to apologise. I have to put it out there, otherwise. There won't be another Valentine's Day for me. Sorry, little dude. <laughs> oh dear. But speaking of Spe- Spielberg, Michelle, do you know what I did last night what with did you my watch? entire family of um, there's two ch- small children? We watched Close Encounters. Yeah, we watched <gasps> it. Yeah, not what it. did you think? They want to watch it. I'm saying no. You can't watch it. No, 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 I no, can't no. even watch bloody it. I'm scared of clowns. Um, it was two hours and a half, but I think I watched the collector's edition because there was a lot of scenes I didn't remember. That could just be age. But and I, I... No, I swear to God. <laughs> no. I swear to God. Um, there were scenes, and even at the end, I'm pretty sure you didn't get to see those aliens as much as you did 
Well, I didn't watch a collector's edition. I just watched normal, and there were there was quite there were quite a lot of it? aliens. I don't know. I have to go back and look. It was long. It was long. This is why I was thinking, come on, snip mm. it up, cut to the chase. Oh, it was weird because aliens. It, it seemed different to the version that I saw. Definitely. Oh, okay. But actually, Paddy, other partner, my other partner, my other <laughs> husband. You're in a throuple now. You and Ginny Lemon and Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> no. The third person in my quadruple. Um, he said. Is the little boy related to Richard Dreyfus, the main actor, Roy Neary, the main character? His son, who was crying in the mashed potato scene, they look so similar. Well, they has got the same last name. I googled it. It's his nephew. Oh, there you go. You're a sleuth. Yeah. Yeah. You're a film sleuth. Yeah. <laughs> Any apologies from, for you? Oh, well, I'd have to correct something that I said last week. A lovely listener by the name of Vicky got in touch and said that it wasn't a parable that I said about the frog and the otter or whatever it was, or the spider or whatever oh, I yes. called it. No, no the sp- you said a, fr- a, no, you a said scorpion, scorpion and a duck. And a squirrel. And a duck or something. <laughs> and she said, that's actually a fable. And she corrected me. And then you and I figured it out because we were both like, oh, where have I heard that recently? Yeah. Not on Friends, not on Drag Race. And it, it was on Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. Oh, yes. Yes, of course it was. Yes. Yeah. He was, you know, he was good in that. I mean, he's always good in everything. I yeah. love him. I wish he wouldn't slick his hair back. Oh, it look, started I to upset mind. me. It started to upset me. Do you know what? I would actually go there. Would you? I would. I like Michelle. a funny guy. I do. Okay. I would go there. And actually, there was he was quite funny. He was talking about he's got these pajamas where he just pops his penis through the little hole oh, right in the crotch. <laughs> I thought I quite liked it. Most I thought, men have got pajamas like that, haven't they? What do they just pop the pop the yeah, piece? There's, there's a little hole there for that precise reason. No, 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 no. Because they're so lazy, they can't <laughs> even be bothered to take their trousers or pants down. That's why there's a slit for it to just pop out. No, I think this might have been from over over where like oh. a where hole. What it oh, rubbed don't. its way free. <laughs> oh, Yuck. I like Ricky. Listen. Anyway. Well, look, thank you, Vicky. No, I was going to say thank you, Vicky. Um, yes. And her and, nephew, she's also yes. got her nephew, Callum, listening, who's a young man. Oh. Yeah. We've got what? We've got people under 30 We've got listening. a young person listening. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves it. Hi, Callum. I said I'd give him a shout. Now, also, I mentioned a new listener, Terry, who I used to work with in fashion. Now, he lives in Berlin and he listens all the time. He rings me with live live shouting back with the earphones in after a long day at work and a few beers usually. And he leaves messages for me He's in his Australian accent, even though he's not Australian. And then he told me that he was listening to the fairies episode, which I think was the first episode of the year, Michelle. Okay. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. And, as he, was li- long ago. and he, re- he got to the part where we'd said something like, oh, people who've done podcasts on fairies find that things go wrong. And he, at that time, was peeing in a cemetery on his way home. What what do you think happened? I know. He turned around. He tripped over. I'd like to think that his willy was still out. And (laughs) (laughs) Pete was still peeing. And hurt him. I don't know if his head bounced off the pavement. I just think I'm making that up. It's because I saw my husband do this once at the Cambridge Folk <laughs> oh Festival. Oh, my God. He, he was peeing in a bush, he waving at me. He loves He loves He was nature-y. waving at me. His yeah. best mate came up behind me, like, giving me the thumbs, thumbs up, up, pushed him. <laughs> but 
my husband forgot to take his hands off his willy, was still weeing. I watched his his little head bounce off the pavement <laughs> and it was still weeing, but he was laughing. He thought it was so funny. Well, he had to go and have stitches in hospital. We were in hospital till 6am that morning, so it wasn't that fucking funny. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Do you think that happened to poor Terence? Terry Terence? That's what I imagined when he told me what happened to him, but I'm sure it wasn't that dramatic. So basically, the fairies, fairies fucked with him. I mean, quite frankly, he shouldn't have been pissing in a cemetery. But anyway. Very <laughs> disrespectful, Terry. <laughs> if it's not the fairies, the fucking evil Satan devils are going to get him. So, you know. There you ghosts. go. Um, but yeah, Valentine's so Day. It's not Valentine's Day anymore. No, it's not. But did you have a good one? Did you get anything? I got a card. We had oysters and champagne. Ooh, and nice. I was in a filthy mood. <laughs> Because that's what oysters would do to you. (laughs) Well, there's always that fear, isn't there, that you might die. One of them might be off. Oh, for fuck's sake. Don't eat them then. (laughs) Oh, I must eat them. I love them. Oh, dear. Yeah, I had a... What did I do? Oh, we walked up the mountain, had a glass of champagne in fucking minus 17. Because it's freezing and lockdown, so you're not allowed to sit down. You can have a takeaway. So we had a takeaway champagne. Oh, what? Oh, okay. uh, we were freezing our fucking tits off. But, you know, it was slightly romantic because we decided to get all, all smoochy. So that was that was nice. But, you know, obviously when we were talking about this episode, we were thinking, what can we do for Valentine's Day? Yeah. So... And those bastards, our fans, our eavesdroppers. Oh, I'm I sorry know. to call you bastards. I'm so sorry. But where were you with your fantastic stories? We needed you. We got, well... We got one. We did get one, yeah. And it's a good one. But it'll, we're going to It'll outdo all of them, exactly. <laughs> so because of that, Michelle, as you probably well know, I had to plumb the depths of the sun for my fantastic love story. Well, I'll just preface, it's Valentine's Day. It's, it's really more about love. But is it really about love? Or is it about sex, money? Love no. gone wrong, I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> It's not all chocolate and roses. No, it's not worth talking about unless it's gone terribly wrong. That's right. All right. Take it away. As I said, this is from an article in The Sun from November last year, 2020. Okay. Only last year, (laughs) me. So this is about a lady called Tracy Bottomley, who's 46 from Shipley, West Yorkshire. Okay. And she is set to marry a man she hasn't met yet through a pen pal scheme. So far, so cute. Okay. It's like an old-fashioned kind of, what do you call those things that you go on and you swipe left and right? (laughs) Tinder. Tinker. (laughs) Tinder. Tender. It's tender. Tender. Tender love and care. It's the old-fashioned version of that, isn't it, really? The old pen pal scheme. It is indeed. So the object of her affections is a, a one Ernest Otto Smith, aged 53. He was jailed for life without parole for the murder of a man and woman in 2006. Fuck off. She's in love with a fucking crim. That's what right. the hell? Slim Pickens. <laughs> Tracy says, Ernest doesn't scare me. I've never been someone who gets frightened easily. Okay. Yes, he's a serial killer. He's committed a few murders, but I understand the risks of what could happen, and I still love him. Tracy can I just, said. Can I just yes. pause and say, She's Please never do. fucking met him. I still love him. Well, I guess they've had chit-chats on the phone or oh, however else yes. you can contact them. 
Yeah, but ever heard of catfishing? Anyway, oh, moving on. Oh, yes. Well, I saw the pictures anyway. He <laughs> says he proposed in a voicemail from prison saying, you're crazy just like me, so we should be married. What do you think? <laughs> Did you understand I, my accent? <laughs> I, thought they, I thought they were from West Yorkshire. She is. He's from, what did I say? He's, uh, oh, I haven't said yet where he's from. He's from Ohio. Well, he's in prison in Ohio. What? They're yeah. not even in the same fucking country. No. Oh, my God. All right. Tracy hopes to fly to the US before the year is out to marry the convicted murderer at the Ohio <laughs> Department of Prisons. Well, good oh. luck with that, Tracy, because of lockdown. Romance. That's the least of your fucking problems, if you ask me. <laughs> I think that she's being saved from <laughs> fucking... Right, this is where we have to stop laughing now, Michelle. Okay. The lovebirds bonded over trauma. No. Trauma. From abuse they have suffered. So it's very sad. Oh, do you know what? They have both never... suffered from a, a traumatic childhood. But, Geordie, you know this from listening to all the murder podcasts that we listen yeah. to. All of these serial killers and abusers, they've all been abused as kids. Yeah. You know, it's its terrible. Murderers it's who terrible. are made, yeah. Mm. Ernest also spoke about what he'd been through and how he was a victim of child abuse, which led to him using drugs to battle his depression and anxiety. She says, I've been in an abusive relationship before and the way he spoke about how his experiences as a child changed him really resonated with me. Okay, this is the bit where we can start laughing again. (laughs) (laughs) She says, one of the most shocking things I've ever read in black and white. Being killed isn't the best way to go, but everybody dies one day. I'm going to die eventually. And I don't mind the fact that it could be at the hands of him. She's pretty much inviting him. Oh, but he's like, please so murder me. Her. Please slash my throat oh, yeah. in the I middle of the night. He might. Yeah. Well, he's not oh. getting out, darling. He's on death row. There's no <laughs> chance of him killing you for a start. So she shouldn't be worried. But I love him. Oh, my God. So basically, this bloke, Otis uh, Smith. What was his name? Otto. Is that that? Otto. Otto. Smith. He robbed, shot and killed a man called James Dilling. Ham or Dillingham in Toledo, Ohio on January the 2nd, 2005. Okay. Smith was accompanied by Kathy Barnett, so she was probably his girlfriend. Mm. Uh, but he then murdered her, fearing she would tell the police of his crimes. He oh attempted to break God. Kathy's neck no! and beat her to death with a tree branch. Fucking hell. He's a catch. He's a catch. <laughs> He was convicted in March 2006 in Ohio and sentenced to 32 years in solitary confinement in prison. Fuck me. That's how naughty he is. I was going to say, you don't get put into solitary confinement. 32 freaking years. I mean, that's hardcore. That's like, why? I mean, that's when you just think he's just wasting tax resources being in solitary. (laughs) No, but there's no hope for even any kind of rehabilitation at that point if he's in solitary. Mm. Except yeah, true, Tracy, actually. Tracy has like given him a new lease of life. <laughs> You're hell. crazy. I'm crazy. I'm Let's crazy. make it official. <laughs> so this is a thing called hybristophilia, Michelle. We have spoken about this before privately, not on air. Uh, it's the that's it's the kind also, of conversations we that's have. That's the sort of thing. That's why we're recording them. It's also called Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. It's basically a sexual disorder where you can only get off by having a partner known to have committed a crime, mm-hmm. such as rape, torture, or murder. Ew. Mm-hmm. Ew. Some women who marry or admire serial killers are seeking fame by proxy 
or believe yes. they can tame the wild beast. In I can understand man. that. I understand that's those That's not hybristophilia. No, that's just fame-seeking and yeah. attention and probably trying to like sell book rights and all that yep. kind of stuff. So I get no. that. Many high-profile criminals, particularly those who have committed atrocious crimes, receive fan mail in prison that is sometimes amorous or sexual, presumably as a result of this phenomenon. In some cases, admirers of these criminals have gone on to marry the object of their affection. Jesus Christ. Bit like Tracy. Tracy and Otto. I watched this week on Netflix the Night Stalker documentary. I wouldn't advise that you do it. He's oh. not a good person, Michelle. This is Ramirez, nice. isn't it? This Richard is, Ramirez. Yeah, fucking hell. A.K.A. No. the Night Stalker. Mm. Uh, in 1989, Richard... I mean, he looked like a rock star, I have to say, in the court, by the time he got to court. But the and things I've that he did... Pi- I've seen pictures of him, and he's not a bad-looking guy. Except when he opens his mouth, and apparently he oh, smelt like a goat. Oh. <laughs> but he did Sexy. some awful things, and I don't know if he had a bath between. In oh, God. <laughs> it was no, it was rank. Oh, but anyway, God. he he was the one that called himself a Satanist. Oh yes, he was clinging yes, to this, and he's the one who him. met Levey. Yeah, yeah. Levey didn't want a bar of it. No, he was anyway. dank. He was like, "You smell like a goat." <laughs> Stay <Fuck> there. Off. <laughs> he was sentenced to death on charges that included thirteen murders, five attempted murders, and eleven sexual assaults. And I think I said to you previously that there were children involved but they didn't take him to court for those things because they didn't want the children the surviving children to have to go through yeah um, the hell. i mean and I... also spoiler they reckon that wasn't his first outing fucking hell. there's a heap more bodies under his watch yeah yeah but the, that's the thing like they get away with it and then you know they they often i mean have you watched dexter they kill and then I they stop watched. and then they kill and you know Brilliant no. show, if you haven't seen it. Anyway. I have seen I have seen it. Anyway, who cares, thought freelance magazine editor Doreen Loy, who married him seven years later. She oh. didn't care <laughs> about all that. I don't she care that you him, rape children and care. murder people. I, I don't love care. him. She <laughs> called him kind, funny and charming. But, I mean, how much do you really get to know that person? Because they're not going to be like, you know, you, ha- you left the toilet seat up again or that's not gonna you're not gonna have those conversations with that person because you don't have a life with them no no what about ted bundy the notorious serial killer who raped and murdered more than 30 women well i did a little digging on ted bundy they said he was attractive right i i personally i get it but it's not for me before you ask (laughs) i i was about to say would you go there no (laughs) i see look i've seen pictures of ted bundy look he's not a bad looking guy Mm. i wouldn't go there if he looked more like Rick, no, Ricky you... Gervais with a slick back, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but no, he's he's he looks <sighs> creepy to me. He's got the old creep face, you know. Well, yeah, to me, creepy too. But that didn't deter the hundreds of women that sent oh. fan mail from all around the world. While he was still on trial in 1980, he married one of his admirers, a twice divorced mother of two called Carol Ann Boone, and they had a baby together. And then he was executed for his crimes in 1989. Well, I did a little bit of digging on Ted and Carol Ann. Okay. So apparently Ted Bundy and Carol Ann Boone first met when they were working together at the Department oh. of Emergency Services in Olympia, Washington. Are you sure about that? In 1974, yes. Is she the one that wrote An Angel at My... A Devil at My Side or whatever it was called? A book no. about it? No, I... No, no. 
This is a different one. But this is the one he married. So they had already met before. They knew each other. Yes. So this is a thing, right? So by day, serial killer Ted Bundy mm. was helping authorities search for missing women because he was part of the emergency services, right? The ones that he killed. By night, he was the one murdering them. Fucking hell. I know. Fucking terrifying. But at this point, Carol Ann, who, as you said, she's a single mum, she just thinks Ted's this nice, quiet chap who she sort of just hit it off with. Yeah. But nothing, nothing happens. They're just mates. Then, fast forward to 1975, when the first charges were levelled against Bundy. Like you said, bear in mind, this is one of the world's most notorious serial killers, serial yeah. rapists, general, like, all-round sadistic sociopath. He... You know, he'd been finally been charged because he'd been getting away with it up until this point. But it's at this point, because Caroline had kept things platonic, but it was at that point that things got romantic. Oh, hello, soldier. Hello, Hello, murderer. Oh, aren't you happy to have I know, like fucking... You know, she's got a head on her shoulders up until the point he she knows he's murdered people. And then so, she's like, hello. Hi, Bristophilia. However, yes and no. Because in 1979, while he's on trial for more murders, like you said, they actually got married. But it was this weird kind of legal loophole, right? So uh, she got up and said in court, I love you. And he said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And oh, apparently if you do that in a court of law, it's a legal marriage. You're married. So it's, it wasn't it. like bride, oh, you know, God. bride dresses and he's in a groom and groom's tux or whatever. So anyway, um, while he was on death row in 1982, she had a little girl called Rose Bundy. The thing is, in loads of reports, Caroline always says that she believed that he was innocent. Oh. And... I just can't help but think. But did she? Well, this is the thing. So he was super charismatic and, you know, had that sort of attraction. Women found him attractive, even though Mm -hmm. you and I wouldn't go there. (laughs) And um, so, you know, I think she was probably brainwashed. But then there was a point while he was on death row that Bundy got offered this deal, which was called Bones for Time, which meant... If you if he could tell police where the bodies of his victims were, they Rather would than being executed. Yeah, they would delay the death penalty, okay. so he would have more time. But that's actually when the penny dropped for Carol Ann because she was like, "How the fuck are you going to tell the police where the bodies are if you didn't do the crimes?" Yeah. And then she realised, "Fuck, I've been taken for a ride." So he did tell them. Well, he I I don't know, but I obviously before. Well, after after he was offered this deal, there must have been conversations between the two of them because that was pretty much when she walked out on him oh, and okay. annulled the marriage. And then in 1989, I think they actually got a, a divorce and she said she felt really betrayed and that she was just devastated by his confessions in his last days, Jesus. right? Because right. she truly believed him when he said he didn't do any of the crimes that oh he and she really thought he was innocent. Innocent. So I don't know, gullible, brainwashed, <sighs> just in love, just in love. But yeah. fucking hell, you know, you've got to make good choices, people. Exactly. Now, what about that that famous hottie Joseph Fritzel, 
imprisoned his daughter as a sex slave for 24 fucking years sorry anyway he imprisoned his daughter as a sex slave for 24 harrowing years he's received love letters from admirers and so has the yorkshire ripper peter sutcliffe he's another one though who had a bit of a charm about him they say was he handsome he, they say he was. And again, Michelle, I'm not going to go there. I wouldn't have gone there. <laughs> you're, you're not going to waste your whole pass Not for on me. That. No. My what? Your whole pass. <laughs> you, Certainly not. Your wild card. <laughs> and there are also women who sent naked pictures to Charles Bronson. Now, we've spoken about Charles Bronson before. You thought he was an actor. Yes, he is. He's also a notorious Britain's most violent. But they're two different people. They are two different yeah. people. Violent prisoner. Now, he managed to kill someone while he was inside, I, th- I think. Did fuck? you find out about him? No, I didn't. Yeah. Holy shit. I think um, he was he was that attractive that they had Tom. What's the guy's name? He's an actor. Who? Apparently, apparently he was attending one of my children's assemblies because he had a godchild at the same school. Oh, my God. Tom. You're in the midst of a murderer. He, no, he's not a murderer. He's an actor. Oh, Nicole that played. one. He played the Cray twins and he also played Charles Bronson and he was Mad Max recently and he's and he had a grill on his mouth for and a funny voice for Batman and he's English and he's got big shoulders and he's married to a lovely girl who went to the same drama college as some friends of ours. Oh, Don't know. Tom. We'll come back. It'll come to you. By the end of the podcast, Tom. it'll come to you. Tom. Hello, Tom. That guy, Tom, <laughs> that's really famous. Tom Brody. Tom. No, he was in Taboo. Come on, Michelle, help me out Hang on, here. was he in Peaky Blinders? Yes, he was the Jewish guy in yep. Peaky Blinders. No, Tom. Don't remember his name. What's his name? Moving oh, on. God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Very famous man. Mm. Ben Mendelssohn, write in and tell us who is Tom. Tom, Tom sure. Cox? No. <laughs> Jesus, let it go, Johnny, let it go. <laughs> All right. Okay, moving on with actors and things. 2014, Charles Manson, our favourite crazy-faced psychopath. He died in 2017 after nearly five decades in prison, but he became engaged to a lovely 26-year-old woman by the name of Afton Elaine Burton, who also went by the name of Star. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. So he must have been in his late 70s at this point. Oh, yes. And she's 26. Oh, fucking yes. hell. Okay, another yeah. question. Do you think, did you, I mean, have you seen pictures of him? Yeah. He's actually not bad what? looking. Oh, f- no, Michelle. <laughs> He's no, no Ricky Gervais, but come on. Jesus. He was all right when he was younger. Just no, saying. he wasn't. Oh, all right. Oh, I don't anyway, fancy re- a murderer, but I thought Jesus. he was all right. I can't really, don't even really know where to go from here. She ran a website called Release Charles Manson Now. The romance fizzled out. The couple's marriage license expired in a year, like a year later, amid tabloid rumours that Burton wanted to marry the killer so that she could put his body on display for profit after his death. No. Okay, so this is not high bristophilia. This is just. She wants to make some dollar. (laughs) Dollar. Cash money. Now, there was an actor who played Charles Manson in two things. One was Mindhunter, fabulous series that is on Netflix. Only two series, unfortunately. It's brilliant. I wish it was still on. I need to watch it. Please watch it. And the guy who played Charles Manson also played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. The Quentin Tarantino film that was recently out. His name, he's Aussie. 
And his name is Damon Herriman. And he's not just one one of those new kids off the block. All right. He's been acting since he was four years old. So no doubt you would have seen him in a Monte Carlo or an Arnott's Biscuit ad or something. <laughs> Jerry Ripe. He was Swing in the, the Sullivans yeah. and... and the old flying doctors, oh, and he my had God. Uh, nominated for three gold, three lo- not three gold logies, just three logies, which is as we all know now is the Australian version of an Oscar. And he won for best juvenile performance in the Flying Doctors. And later he was cast as bespectacled, bespectacled best friend of Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> in the cult comedy classic The Big Steel. Oh my no, God! He was, he was with him in uh, The Big Steel, which is apparently a cult classic comedy. Oh, well, there you go. Ah, <laughs> oh, Bentles. has got all sorts of connections. Goodness me. I just have two words for you at the moment. What? Tom Hardy. Thank you. Did you Google him? <laughs> I did. <laughs> hardy, hardy, hardy. How do we fucking forget Tom Hardy? Anyway, there you go. Oh, my God. Sorry, Tom. Because, yeah, he's listening. He is. He and Ben hanging out together like, yeah. listening. Um, right. Well, there you go. Fucking yeah. hell. Women who love murderers. Yep. Well, what about women who do crazy things when love goes wrong? Oh, uh, okay. I bet there's a few of them. Well, I'm just going to talk about one. Probably okay. one of the most famous ones. I think Lor- I have a <laughs> if I do the chop, chop, chop. Oh, is she cut? Is she getting cut? Or is Shit. he getting cut? Oh. Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, he's getting the Bobbitt. <laughs> That's the she thing. done a Bobbitt on him. That's the thing. Like this case is so fucking insane. I mean, I remember when it happened. It yes, was worldwide news. And it... I remember she chopped it off and then she went for a drive and she threw it out the window. And <laughs> did they find it to reattach it? I can't remember. Well, I'm going to go through this case okay. for anybody, especially our young listeners like Callum, who may not know Callum, about this story. you need to get up to date on all these 980s. 90s. It was 80s. Was, was 93, it 90s? yes. Okay. Um, just quickly though, Michelle, from memory, people thought that she was just mad, right? And and did that out of jealousy or because he was going to break up with her. But was it that he was a horrible well, marital rapist or something? Well, I'll get to I that because it, it, it goes a little bit into it. So, okay. yes, for anyone who's never heard of this case, on June 23, 1993, in Manassas, Virginia, I think that's how you say it. Manassas. Manassas. I don't know. You have to say it like that. Minyasis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lorena Bobbitt went to bed with her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt. So far, so good. I know, but whenever I think of this guy, John Wayne Bobbitt, I just Why think is it of... John Wayne? Well, it just reminds me of John Wayne Gacy. Oh, John Wayne Gacy, not John Wayne, whose actual real name was Marion. What? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> that is some trivia right there. Yeah. No, I always just think of John Wayne Gacy, who was that American serial killer. Yeah, who liked to paint clowns. He was a clown. Oh. He was known as Killer Clown. Yes, and he was basically a sex offender who assaulted and murdered at least 33 people, all young men and boys, and probably more. And the scary thing is that John Wayne Gacy would dress up. He also enlisted people as well, didn't he, to do some dirty work Oh, did he? Fuck, I didn't get that deep into it. I just know that he had two clown personas, Pogo the clown and Patches the clown. And he would go to children's hospitals and do events 
where basically he would like hunt out his victims. Anyway. Oh my God. So back to John Wayne Bobbitt. So one night after going to bed, uh, Lorena Bobbitt got up for a glass of water, but on the way back, she picked up an eight inch carving knife, went back to their bedroom and cut off his penis while he was asleep in his bed. Casual as you like. (laughs) Thing is, uh, like you said, after she'd given him the chop, Lorena jumped in the car, took the penis with her and drove away with it. But the thing is, apparently she was really struggling. So she was really struggling to drive, holding like the steering wheel and the penis. So she just chucked. Chucked it out the window into a field. How big was it? I don't know. <laughs> Big enough that she was she was having trouble, you know, but making making on. a left hand turn. Once you've cut the blood supply off it, it's there's not going to be much left of it at all, is what, there? Really? Because it's really mostly up. just full of blood. Yeah, I do. I do think that. I don't know. I Why don't you have a be... word with Lorena? Because she might be able to tell. Somebody tell me. <laughs> I bet there's pictures on the internet. Oh, I don't even want to look at those pictures. I want you to look. Do it now. Google it now. Next to Tom Hardy. Have. <laughs> uh, so, Dismembered penis. Jesus. So, look, she freaked out, I think, after she chucked, chucked the, the old D out the window. And the she D. called 911. And she told them what had happened and where she'd basically chucked the willy. So, the police... like Did she chuck a willy? She's chucked a willy. She's chucked a willy, mate. <laughs> she pinned it out the window. So so the police decided they were going to do a search and rescue on the penis. And they found it. And they basically <gasps> washed it down with antiseptic Ooh, and packed it okay. in ice and then scooted it off to the hospital where they managed to reattach it. Oh, my God. Yes. So fuck knows if it actually works properly. Frankenstein's penis. Well, funny you should say that because John Wayne gave a guess. John Wayne Bobbitt didn't he become a porn star? He did. He went on. Oh, it's just come back to me. He went on to star in two porno films in the nineties, and for our young listeners, that's when porno films actually existed. Because now it's all just you know, Pornhub. What is it anyway? But yeah, Pornhub. Pornhub. I don't know these things. I'll push it down. I don't. What is it? Red Tube and Pornhub. What's that? The biggest Ew. biggest websites in the entire world. Anyway. So you don't need to rent porn movies anymore. Well, they don't even make movies. Nobody wants to watch movies. But anyway, he so was in too. Hang on. What are they watching now if they're not watching porn movies? Um, They're watching like... Scenes. Like just homemade filmed scenes oh, done. Like Reader's Wives. No, it's just porn, but there's no storyline. It's just like, go and add it. Oh, Geordie, come on. Keep up with the times. Soz. I've got some porn to catch up on. (laughs) So he went on to do two porn films. The first one was called John Wayne Bobbitt, Uncut. (laughs) And the second one was, wait for it, Franken-Penis. Oh. Not even joking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on to form a band called Severed called. Parts. Oh, <laughs> now come on, who's gonna who's gonna buy those albums? Well, nobody, because the the band didn't take off. <laughs> no, but I'm surprised. So, but anyway, if you're actually wondering what happened to Lorena, which you you were, mm. 
She went to court and uh, she went on to testify that for years she'd been raped, sodomized, physically and mentally abused by John Wayne, her husband. And it had been escalating over the years. And that night she just, she just snapped. And then after seven hours of deliberation by the jury, they found her not guilty due to insanity. And she had to do this like 45-day evaluation, which I think must have been like a psychological evaluation, after Uh which she was done. She was out. She was free free to go. go. Yep. Whereas John Wayne, yeah, not a good dude. So (laughs) basically, after the band went nowhere. But he was riding high on all the, you know, on on his misfortune. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, like riding high on those... into a cash cow. Well, in the years following, he was charged with battery of numerous women on numerous what occasions. What a piece of work. Yeah, and he got like done for theft and he ended up in prison. Whereas Lorena went on to found a charity to help victims of domestic violence. Oh, there you go. There you go. So I think they made the right decision in the end. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, what a great story. Thanks, Michelle. I'm sure Callum's so <laughs> thrilled now that he listens to this <laughs> podcast. Oh, it's dear. teaching people. It's educational. It's history. You've got to know it's your history. history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. And then, as you were saying before, yeah, our, we had one reader. We had one, one, one reader. One reader's wives. That's what I keep thinking now because you said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> one listener who actually uh, sent in the story to you, but I thought I would give it a go to to uh-huh. highlight what's happened in their Valentine's Day love story. Not that it, has, it doesn't really have that much to do with Valentine's Day. It's more love okay. story. It's a love story. But just to let you know, uh, I changed their names because, yes. you know. Anyway. We'll see. We'll see why, I, I suppose. Uh, this is the story of Jack and Darcy. So it uh-huh. starts back in 2014 when Jack was at Manchester Airport with a group of lads. And they were all heading to Tallinn in Estonia for a stag do. It was an early flight and sort of one of those 6 a.m., absolute fucking nightmare flights that nobody wants to get but you always do and Jack was in the queue lining up to get on the flight and he overheard a phone conversation that a woman near him in the queue was having you know it sounded quite heated Jack actually says it sounded like this woman was having an argument on the phone with her boyfriend because she was there saying things like by the time I get back I want you gone and get your shit out of my flat by the time I get back. So, I mean, it sounds kind of fucking serious. And Jack was eavesdropping uh, on the convo. And he said he sort of, you know, had listened in and it registered with him. But, you know, as he moved along the queue and, and, you know, towards boarding the actual plane, he sort of just didn't really think about it until... He got on the flight and realized he was sitting sitting next to the oh, woman wow. who'd been on the phone. Okay. So they are right at the front of the plane where on this flight, must have been a, a, one of those small planes, um, mm-hmm. there were only two seats. So it was just him and her and she was at the window and he was on the aisle. Now Darcy says she remembers she'd just gotten settled into her seat when this guy boards the plane and drops his back on the seat next to her. And she said she was there thinking, Ugh, you know, okay, this guy sitting next to me because I think at this point 
She's hoping she's hoping she won't have anybody sitting next to her, so she can just sort of. She's probably in a bad mood, yeah. considering the phone call she'd had. Yeah, she just wants to chill after having a shitty conversation. Yeah. And when you are on a flight, it's so much nicer when you're not sitting next to anybody because yeah. you spread out, you put shit everywhere. Yeah. You know, you can lie down. So I think she was a bit bummed that someone was sitting next to her. Uh, she also says. She was knackered because she hadn't slept a wink because the night before she'd been arguing all night with her boyfriend and she just wanted a few hours' peace on the plane to sleep, mm. to sleep. especially because she was, you know, going to Tallinn, she was going to a wedding and she knew she, it was just going to be a big day ahead with lots of drinking and socialising and just having a nice time with her friends. But then Jack, being a social type of chap he starts chit-chatting to her and it's a chitty chatter (laughs) yes and but according to him he said it was just sort of general flight chit-chat to start with until they both had seen this guy he basically spilled this hot coffee all over his crotch who's this guy some guy on the plane like another passenger just another passenger and he Uh He'd spilled coffee on his crotch and he had the flight attendant basically patting down his penis. Pat him down? Yeah. <laughs> and they were both laughing going like, look at this dude just trying to get a to free feel To the left, to the right, in the centre. <laughs> Goodness me. And it turns out sort of, you know, they both sort of giggled about it and that was the icebreaker that led them to having a proper conversation where Darcy also just said to Jack, listen, I swear that fucking bloke with the coffee on him has been following me around the airport. And Jack was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, everywhere I looked in the airport, he was just there. You know, he was right behind me causing a scene through passport control. And then he got in the lift with me. Jack says it was at this point that he sort of latched onto that comment and thought he'd try to be a bit funny. And he turned to her and said words to the effect of, You've only got carry-on luggage, a lazy cow. Uh, why did you get in the lift? Ugh. And she was like, actually, I'm just coming off the back of quite a bad relapse. I've got MS. At which point Jack says he, Uh-oh. yeah, he just felt like shit. And he oh, sort of nice just thought. Move, Jack. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, mood killer. So mm-hmm. he wasn't really too sure that this nice, you know, girl next to him would still be interested in chatting to him. But... Long story short, the, sp- the pair spent the next three hours chatting away. And when they landed, they went their separate ways. But uh-huh. not before Jack did something that was quite out of character. He said to Darcy, like, bye now. Have an amazing weekend. And by the way, can I get your number? So they exchanged numbers. and Smooth moves. I know. He's got the moves. Smooth. So they exchanged numbers and he says he texted Darcy a couple of times over the course of the weekend, but they didn't see each other because, you know, he was having like a wild time on the stag do and Darcy was just, you know, with her mates at the wedding. Mm. So when it came to flying back, as chance would have it, they were once again on the same flight. No. Mm-hmm. And so they were in the airport and Darcy spotted Jack in the smoking room at the airport. And I think she wanted to say hi, but she realized she didn't know his name because, yeah, even though they'd swapped numbers, she'd put him in her phone as something weird, like, I don't know. Guy from the plane. Plane guy or rude guy. chap. (laughs) Rude guy who made fun of my MS, you know, who knows. (laughs) She, so she was like, oh shit, I want to say hi to that guy, but I don't know his name. But anyway, she went up and then she was like, oh, hi. And she introduced her friend and 
he was a real gentleman because when she said, oh, you know, this is my friend. I want to say Lesquisha, but it wasn't Lesquisha. <laughs> Lesquisha? I don't know. Anyway, she said, oh, this is my friend. And he's like, hi, I'm Jack. And she was like, oh, thank God. Now I know his name. So one by one, all the friends that she'd been at the wedding with all got on flights back to Man, I mean, back to London yeah. or wherever they were Bye, Lesquisha. Have a great, have a great flight. Bye, Lesquisha. Bye, Squishies. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then she's just basically left in the airport with Jack and all of his mates waiting to board the flight back to Manchester. Like all these like absolutely hanging stags. Yep. All the lads just no shower, looking ropey, smelling like a brewery. (laughs) Yep. So it's just her and these boys. Nice. And she boards the plane and gets to her seat and then realises there's this little boy sitting in her seat. And she obviously was not thrilled about this because I think she was kind of hanging too. And she just really was not up for having a kid sitting next to her. But... She's a very polite person and she says to the dad, oh, excuse me, um, your son's in my seat. But then she sees this little kid. He's like looking out the window and he's looking at all the planes. And so she's like, oh, don't worry. Look, I'll sit on the aisle seat. And she just sits down. Then Jack gets on the plane with his mates. He doesn't sit next to her, but he's in the same row, um, but oh. in the middle seat on the other side. So at this point, Darcy's not feeling great from her wild wedding weekend and she's just sort of sitting there with her head down. But she feels these eyes burning into the side of her head. So she looks up and there's this woman just staring at her. So she's like, are you okay? Do you need help? Because I think at this point, this woman is kind of freaking her out. And then she puts two and two together and she's like, oh, is is that your kid? Is that your husband? This woman's like, yeah, that's my family. And so Darcy offers to swap seats with this woman, which means she's now sitting next to Jack. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and this is this is where Jack is like, yeah, Darcy claims she didn't manufacture this, but basically she moved people around the flight so she could n- sit near me. Uh, but <laughs> there's some disagreement on that. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> they fly back to Manchester and Jack says they talked the whole way back and at one point even made each other cry because they were both incredibly emotional after a big weekend and probably yeah. lots of booze. And, you know, they were just talking about family and the conversation got quite heavy. So I think at this point, even though they don't really know each other, they're connecting on this sort of deeper level. And I think they're both sort of starting to realise that potentially there could be something else going on yeah because you know jack is single and it's clear that darcy is in the process of ending things with a boyfriend so the plane lands and jack goes back to lincolnshire where he lives and darcy Mm. goes back to manchester and then over the course of the next few weeks the pair start texting one another and then a fortnight later jack invites darcy to a party and they just have this really nice weekend at this like mud hut party together. Oh, that sounds fun. I know. It sounds really good. You know, they sort of think, let's see each other again soon. And Jack... Parties are fun, aren't they? Oh, God, I miss them. Fucking miss Mm. a good party. It's been too long. Just getting Mm. smashed anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Getting smashed. Getting smashed. So after they'd gotten smashed on this weekend at the Mud Hut... They had um, a great time. Yeah, I'm sure they had a great time. Uh, Jack decided he was going to drive to Manchester the following Monday. 
after he'd been to the wedding of the guy whose stag do he'd been on when they first met. And she was off to a festival. So Jack took the Monday off work and decided to drive up from Lincolnshire to Manchester with this fancy little hamper of treats that he knew that she would like. So he just picked up some bits like pickled walnuts, some nice gin, some like good cheese and some cured meats. Oh, how romantic. I know. I think that's he, really nice. He does sound like a lovely romantic yeah. chap. You know, he drove up to Manchester after he'd like put this little hamper together and knocked on Darcy's door. Now, I say he knocked on her door, but I just want to point out that at this point, Darcy lived in a gated community where, okay. first of all, you had to get buzzed in through the front gate and then you had to get buzzed in again to gain entry into the block. And then you had to knock on the door. So it's quite a secure complex. Right. So when Jack arrived, Darcy was on the phone to her ex, even though, um, you know, he'd moved out. And Darcy, mm-hmm. you know, had like asked him to clear clear all his stuff out. But as she'd sort of said to him on the phone that time at the airport, like, get your fucking shit out of my house. Yeah. There were still a few bits in the flat that belonged to him. And apparently it was his phone charger that he wanted to come over and get. So, you know, Jack's overhearing this and he says to Darcy, listen, no problem. I'll, I'll leave the hamper of bits here and I'll disappear around the corner and have a Guinness at the pub. So just give me a call when things get sorted. So Jack heads off to the pub thinking he'll be in there for like half an hour. Mm. Two and a half hours later. Oh my God. Yeah. She texts and said, he's gone. You can come back now. You know, it's all fine. So he finishes up his nice drink. Nice of Jack to wait I all know, that time. I know, I know. Because how many Guinnesses, well, actually, that's you can have as many as you want. But how many, yeah. <laughs> you get a bit bored. You get a bit bored in the pub flying. on your own. Yeah. yeah. So he finishes up his drink and heads to her place. And, you know, he goes through all the buzzing in palaver and gets gets to her place. And she lets him in and closes the door. And he just gives her a hug because, you know, she's probably, like, been through the ringer for two and mm. a half hours with her ex. But then, out of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. the front door gets kicked in <gasps> and in bursts the fucking ex-boyfriend. Oh, my God. Right. So, at this point, Darcy shoves Jack into her bedroom and she says to him, listen to me, whatever you hear, whatever you think is going on out here, do not come out of this bedroom. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, and she no, just, that poor man. I know. And she, like, pushes him into the bedroom and shuts the door, at which point... Oh, no. Yeah, the ex comes flying down the hallway and then goes straight into the kitchen and makes a fucking beeline Sandwich. for the knives. No! Geordie! <laughs> <laughs> and he makes a sandwich. <laughs> Goes for the brown Sorry, lemonade. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is really dramatic and I've ruined it. Sorry. Carry on. What did he make? He made. He went for the fucking kitchen knives. Oh! Oh, no. He's got. He's flown into this he's house. Violent She's maniac. pushed him in pushed Jack into the bedroom and he's gone, fuck this, gone straight to the kitchen and dude grabs not one but two long pointy fucking kitchen knives and he's screaming that he knows someone is in the flat because turns out. So yeah, because it was all secure. How how did he get in? It was supposed to be a secure unit. Well, turns out X never left the car park. He was waiting inside the gated complex and he'd seen Jack come into the flat and he'd put two. He knows he's in there. 
And he realised, fuck, that dude is going to see Darcy. And oh, then dear. he fucking kicks the door down, the front door. He doesn't let the himself in. He's fucking kicked no. it in. Boom. Shakalaka. Boom. So Jack is in the bedroom while the ex is there with two fucking knives. And he's no. just going for Darcy. And <gasps> listen, from from her story, she's a fighter. Because even yeah. though he's got these knives, she knows she has to keep him away from the bedroom where Jack is. Mm-hmm. Because she knows that if her ex gets in that bedroom... He's going to fucking kill Jack. Right. And this oh, is shit. not just like, oh, he's going to kill him. Dude no. has two fucking knives. He's yeah, yeah. he's on the warpath. But how did she know he wasn't going to kill her? How does Jack know this guy's not going to kill Darcy? I don't know. But Jack was really sternly told, do not come out of this fucking bedroom. Right. And it must have been so hard for him if he's hearing smash bang wallet. I would, I would be there going, fuck, I've got to get out and help. Yes. But what he does, he's clever. He gets his phone out, but not before Jack is fucking tearing up the place. I mean, he is... Jack or the other boy? Sorry, the ex. The ex is tearing up the place. And he... I mean, she's fighting tooth and nail. Darcy's fighting tooth and nail with fucking the ex, trying desperately not to get stabbed. And look, I don't know how she dealt with this guy because he... She loved him once, you know, yeah. and he's coming at her with two knives in both fucking hands. Oh, and, you know, he's destroying the place. So there's this massive glass dining table, which he flipped over and it smashed <gasps> everywhere, which meant the whole place was covered in glass. Covered in glass. And he's trying to get at her and she's obviously like ducking and diving because quite honestly, I don't know what I would do if someone was coming at me with two knives, but credit to her she's fighting back like she's going head to head with this guy and everything in this flat is getting destroyed the tv is smashed on the ground her laptop Mm. is smashed open and he's like (gasps) stepped on it and left this boot print on the screen and she's he's just smashing smashing shit up but she's managed to grab her her cell phone like her mobile and She's trying to call the police, but he rips it out of her hand and just chucks Mm. it away, at which point she manages to get hold of one of the knives. And in order to kind of um, have it not be used against her, she just gets it and, like, stabs it into the ground. And it breaks, right? Okay. So So she didn't cut her hand or anything? No, no. But he's down to one knife now at this point. Uh And, you know, she's saying they are physically fighting each other and he's like wrestled her to the ground and they're rolling on the floor, which is covered in broken glass. Blimey. And she said the only two thoughts that were going through her head were, I need to keep that blade away from me and I need to Mm. keep my ex away from Jack. Yeah. So at this point, Jack is still in the bedroom and like you said, fuck knows what he's thinking because like, think about it. He's in that bedroom listening to tables being smashed, TVs being thrown across the room, all this screaming and yelling, but he's been told not to come out of that bedroom. So he calls the police. Smart move. Good. And Darcy says, fuck knows how he remembered where she lived because he'd never been there before, but he gave the police the address and, you know. To be fair, he'd been there twice because he'd been there once, gone out to the pub, then gone back again. That is true. That is true. Still, so it's probably burned on his... Although when you're in a situation like that... Your mind goes blank. Jack's called the police, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, 
Darcy and her ex are getting closer and closer to that fucking bedroom door. And all the while, <gasps> Darcy's just thinking, I cannot let him near Jack. And yeah. listen, while Jack is on the phone to the police, like giving the address and whatever else they need, the ex can hear him on the phone. And he gets his Shit. fucking knife and he starts stabbing at the bedroom door like something oh. out of The Shining. And Jack's... Oh, my goodness. I know. And Jack says he remembers that as he was on the phone to the police, and he's obviously, like, got his weight against the door trying to, like, but keep, keep oh him God, from getting in. the knife through. The knife went through the fucking door. And he <sighs> said he could hear the whistling come of the knife coming right through the door, oh, right near geez. his ear. So, honestly... I mean, oh, it is a fucking miracle he didn't get stabbed. Insane that, and, and again, a miracle that Darcy did not get stabbed. Because from what yes. I understand, um, neither of them had any, like, stab inju- stabbing injuries. That's incredible. Yeah. But this this fucking door was, like, one of those cheap, shitty internal doors, you know. And this right. knife just went through it like Well, he's butter. already kicked a fucking door down. I know. Dude, dude's got brute force. Like I said, unbelievably, I think neither of them were hurt. Um, yeah. Because at this point, he knows police are on the, on their way, the ex-stars. Okay. So. And uh, Darcy is like, they've called the police. The police arrive with armed Yeah, squad, armed response. Armed, armed yeah. rescue. And uh, yeah, they afterwards, they were just sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? And, you know, forensics came and, you know, they were dusting the place and, he said they stayed up all night. They ate the walnuts, drank the gin, like the hamper miraculously Aww. survived. And then he just said to her, I don't want you to be here. I want you to come back with me. Yeah. And look, at this point, you've got to remember, this was the third time they'd seen each other. So basically the airports at the the weekend and now this third time. And now time, this is the third they're time. Not together. So he's asking her. No, they're not together. They're not together. And he says at this point... You know, they'd kissed, but they hadn't taken things further. But he's there right. going, fuck, you know, this They've is like... They've been through this experience together. Yeah, and he says, come Very back bonding. with me. So she jumps mm. in the van and, and she goes back to Lincolnshire with him. And she stays down there for a week while the police try to find the ex, who's basically, like, disappeared off the radar. Yeah. And during this time, he starts fucking stalking her on the phone and his mum as well, like, oh. harassing poor Darcy, trying to get her to, like retract the charges but it's yeah. it's too too late and anyway then they finally find him he's been picked up in a stolen car and he gets thrown into strange ways which is mm. high security prison. men's prison in manchester yeah also one of one of my favorite uh um smith's smith's album yes i know <laughs> strange ways here we come i know i always think of that a girlfriend in a coma yeah me too anyway so he's in strange ways and he was also phoning Darcy from Strange Way, which I actually don't think is allowed. Oh but anyway. Um, it shouldn't be. So, yeah. So he's in prison. She's down in Lincolnshire. And they both realise, like, obviously everything they've gone through. But now that mm. she's down there, they're just really in love. And, oh. like, within a couple of months, they've bought their dog, Kenny, together. Oh. A couple of months after that, they... Uh, decide they're going to buy a house together. And then six months after they first met on her birthday, he proposes yeah. to her. Oh, yeah. wow. So, you know, 
there is a happy well, that ending is beautiful here. Yeah. well it's not beautiful it's horrific and it's horrifying but wow what a what a way to get together i know right? but look i mean there like you say there is some it's a little bit scary because obviously they have changed their names not just like okay. For the story. For the story. But they have changed their name. You know, they're not on Facebook. They're off all the socials. And Darcy says she still lives with this element of fear after the experience. And that, you know, they lock their doors in a way that no one can ever get in. And, you know, Darcy won't go back to Manchester. And she says she still walks with, you know, looking over her shoulder. And she says that over the years, her act, her ex has tried to contact her, but she doesn't respond. And oh, she dear. thinks that basically if she ever saw him again and she was with Jack, okay. she thinks without question he would attack her. And she says that's a really heavy thing to live with. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it is a happy ending in that they both came out of this like harrowing ordeal and yeah. found love at the end of it. But also, yeah, yeah scary shit. Well, look, I just really hope that it all works out for them and that guy never, ever bumps into them. I know, I know. Please, God. Listen, Michelle, while we were talking about that, I suddenly had this very vivid image in my mind of being in a lift and an axe smashing at it and you were with me and it's a real thing that happened to you and I in a lift in Stoke Newington after a party, Jürgen's party. Yes. Do you remember? We got trapped in a lift. Yes, and the fire brigade had to come and smash it open with bloody axes. Oh, my God. How did I forget that? <laughs> well, I forgot hell? it too. It was just when you were talking about that knife whistling through. I just, I was like, oh, my God, wait. We were very drunk. We were standing at a lift. Was it just the two of us yes. or was somebody else in there with us? No, I think it was just the two of us. We were leaving the party. Oh, my God. And we couldn't leave. And we were going. No, there must have been somebody else in there with us. I don't know. How did we get rescued? I don't remember. Yeah. Fucking hell. I don't know. I can't remember how we got out of that. I was too drunk. Fucking hell. You've got a good memory. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We were in the lift. Jürgen's house in Stoke Newington. And I'm sure somebody else was there because they managed to get word back to Jürgen. <gasps> we're in the lift. We can't get out. The doors won't open. Oh and the fire brigade God. were called. And they had to axe it. Axe it open. Oh, my God. It was horrifying. We've been through some stuff, Geordie. We've been through some yeah. stuff. <laughs> and that's why we're still together to this day. And happy Valentine's Day to you. Well, happy Palentine's Day Aww. to you, Michelle. Okay. And Galentine's Day. Oh, happy Galentine's. That. Love you. Long live love. Yeah. I love you. Oh, I love you more. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Well, listen, guys, I reckon we've got to wrap this up. I know. Uh, this love fest. <laughs> But don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, watch the videos on YouTube, watch the videos on Instagram, like things on Facebook. To things. If they ask you to do something for us, for God's sake, just bloody do we it. We want your stories. What's wrong with you? You're interesting. Send us. Send us your, your tales. Thank you. I mean, we've got some rich, rich sources of info. Thank you to Darcy and, yeah, and Jack. Yeah, thank you so much. We've also got the repeated stories coming at us from hazel the <gasps> psychic real estate agent oh, more from hazel which I'm sure we'll revisit at some oh point oh my god i can't wait to hear hazel's stories no, i love her story exactly we've had lovely linda and her battle against yes you know all odds yeah we have so yeah. you know thanks so everybody we do have some good listeners yeah. who do contribute <laughs> <laughs> We do love you really eavesdroppers. We do. Just keep eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. That's all you need to do. 
Eavesdropping. 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 Eaves